Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeaky, live in a money pit. Money pit. The Money Pit is presented by Bank of America. Now here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are in the money pit prevention business. So if you think a money pit is an old nasty house for us, it's kind of a term of endearment. You know, we know that homes take a lot of money to take care of, and you don't always know how to do that when it comes to repairs and improvements. But we do, and we are here for you. So pick up the phone, reach out to us with your how-to questions, your decorating dilemmas. The number here is one eight 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 money pit I promise we will give you the answer to that challenge. And if it's decorating... I promise you that I won't give you the answer because that's what Leslie does. You don't want to hear my, you know, sort of man cave style of decor. But Tom's like wood paneling, plaid. You got the softer side of decor, but whatever's <laughs> on your to-do list, give us a shot because we probably have heard it before. We may have done it before and we can help you figure it out. Get in touch with us by calling 888-MONEY-PIT or post your questions at moneypit.com. Coming up on today's show, right about now, you may have been feeling the chills all winter long and wondering if replacing your old or drafty windows makes sense. Well, in today's smart spending tip, we're going to walk you through seven key questions to ask yourself that will help you determine if the project is worthwhile for you. And if you need to hang something up in your home, it's always best to attach and drill right into those wood studs. However, if a wood stud is just not available because you've got to put it in this one spot, you're like, this is where it goes. You can drill directly into the drywall, but you have to choose the right anchor for the job. We're going to share some tips in just a bit. And if you're like us, you probably have no idea what's floating around in your junk drawer, but there is one item in there that is causing homes to go up in flames. We'll tell you what that is. All right, guys, we've got lots of stuff to jump into this hour. And of course, we want to hear what you are working on because you, Money Pit listeners, are the reason why we are here. So what are you working on? How can we help? Let us help you get those projects done the first time the right way and make them really pretty for the spring season. So what are you working on? Call us now at one eight 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 Money Pit. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Gayla in California is having an issue with the countertop. Tell us what's going on. I am. About four and a half years ago, I remodeled my kitchen and installed Corian countertops. And I used the pattern called Savannah. It's one of the light ones. So I'm getting ready now to sell my home. And looking at the countertops, they're really, it sounds like I mean, thousands of hairline scratches. And I'm wondering, how can I bring back 
their luster. They never were shiny, but, you know, they were lustrous. Yeah, they do have like a satin finish that looks very rich and nice. But obviously over time, just from, you know, normal wear and tear, um, they are going to dull and, you know, not look so great. Um, There's a good website that generally specializes in granite and marble care. It's called stonecare.com, but they do have some products for Corian. And there's actually a spray, you know, it's made to reduce... A residue on the surface. I'm not sure it's going to help you with the scratches, but it could be a good starting point. It's called their um, Deep Cleaner for Corian, and that might be a good place to start, at least. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know that they're that dirty. I do keep them quite clean, but it's um, it's just a question. It's just those hairline scratches, and when the sun comes through the window, you really see them. What that product does is it will also pull out any residue from all the cleaning that you have been doing so religiously, which is a good thing. The other nice thing, though, about Corian is the scratches can be repaired. And if you they, the Corian can be repolished, basically lightly sanded, so to speak. Oh, I was wondering and, about that. Right, to actually pull those scratches right out. So that's not something that I would recommend that you do the first time out. <laughs> no, but if I don't you think contact so. a, a kitchen cabinet company, for example, they might have an installer, and for a reasonably small fee, they might come out and repolish those tops for you. They're going to have all the tools and the equipment as well, and probably they can pull many of those scratches right out. Well, thank you. That sounds like the way to go for me. All right. Well, good luck with that project, and good luck selling your house. Well, thank you, and, and best to you both. Heading out to Little Rock, Arkansas, we've got Randy on the line who's got a creative idea for dealing with insulation. What's going on? Well, I got a bunch of old insulation in my attic, and it's like really bad, and I think it's causing my house to be dusty. And uh, I've checked around on the price, and, you know, the cheapest price I've got was like four, four to $5,000. What kind of insulation is it, Randy? Is it fiberglass? It's fiberglass. You know, and it's just real, but you go up there and you can just see it floating around in the air, you know? It almost makes you sick sick to go up there. I was thinking about trying to vacuum it out and start over. How old is your house? Uh, It's built in 58. So the insulation that's up there is probably settled, right? It's probably settled down. Yeah. I don't think that vacuuming is necessarily going to solve your problem because you would have to have basically a HEPA filter on that vacuum. To because once you suck up the insulation, it's going to want to try to push the fibers out the back end. It could actually make it worse. I think if it was me and I wanted to get rid of that, I would uh, wait for you know, cold weather and I'd get up there and I would make sure I have an N95 mask. Now, I know we're all wearing these N95 masks through the pandemic. Um, there's one kind that's particularly great for this project and it's made by 3M and it's a vented mask so that uh, it has a basically a valve that when you exhale, it goes out of the valve so you don't feel like that hot gas around your face. It doesn't fog your glasses and stuff. But it, at the same time, it gives you really good protection against stuff that you're breathing. That plus safety glasses. But what I would do is I would go up there and I would roll that stuff up as best I could and put it in big contractor garbage bags and take it out one section at a time. Now, if you want to make it a little bit easier on yourself, I'll give you another trick, and that is if you could get, like if you have gable gable vents at the end of the building, one of the things you might want to try to do, or do you happen to have a, an attic fan? Yeah. Well, listen, if you've got an attic fan, and you got to know what you're doing to try this, okay, But because it's, it's not going to come on based on heat, but basically if you could um, jump it so it comes on, just in the uh, in whatever temperature it is up there, and even if it's if it's winter, and you have 
you know, everything else wide open, you could actually pull some air through this space using that fan while you're working. I have to caution you, though, and that is this. If you turn that attic fan on in the winter and your heating system's on, it can also pull carbon monoxide into your house because it may cause the draft to reverse on the system. I've seen this happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, right? So, But if you could get a fan up there or even a window fan that you put near the gable end and try to pull some air across that attic so that you had, like, fresh air coming in one end of the room and then the, the dirty air sort of be blowing out the other end of the room, um, that would make it a lot more pleasant to, to work up there. So, you know, there's a reason contractors charge a lot of money for this. It's not a pleasant job, but it's not a difficult job, and certainly it's within the scope of DIY. I don't think, though, that, uh, you know, going up there with a shop vac is necessarily going to solve your problem, though. you got some options there, so good luck with that, and uh, let us know how you make out. Okay, thanks a lot. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AirDoctorPro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. 
That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Margie in Maryland needs some help with a, a kitchen incident gone awry. What happened? What happened is um, it's sort of like a barbecue gone bad inside my house. I, okay. I had some deer meat in a big pot on the stove. It was it had a cover on it. And it, um, I, w- I stepped out for a while, and I came back, and there was smoke everywhere in my house. And we opened everything. We opened all the windows and doors and all of that. And what I need is to find out how to get rid of the smoke smell. It is just disgusting. It's terrible. <laughs> and I, we've done what we can. I'm washing my poor washing machine. It's going nuts. I just wash, wash, wash everything. And we've Febrezed on the furniture. And um, But my, my, my wood furniture, I don't know what to do about. And my walls and my painted woodwork. Because the, the day that it happened, I washed up the floor with vinegar and water. But it seems like the longer it goes, uh, that it's getting harder on the surfaces that it's Touched, and I, I just need some help to figure out how to clean it up, especially on the wood furniture, the walls, and the painted woodwork. Well, on the furniture, on the woodwork, I think something like Murphy's oil soap would be a good choice. That's a, that's a mild solution that smells pleasant and is designed specifically to clean wood surfaces. However, I suspect that the source of most of the smell is going to be in because of, of materials that are harder to clean, like fabrics, rugs, couches, upholstered pillows, you know, that, that sort of thing. And, and for those, you really need to have a, a professional company come in and clean them. I mean, there are, there are companies like, uh, I think Service Master is one of them that specialize in fire and smoke cleaning and water cleanup. And they have the right equipment with the right types of chemicals to take the odors out of those sorts of things. What you can do is clean those hard surfaces on your own. As far as the walls are concerned, I would mix up a, a fairly weak TSP solution, trisodium phosphate. You can pick that up in the painting uh, section of any hardware store or home center and wash the walls down with that. Okay? Yes. Thank you so very, very much. I really appreciate it. Heading to Mississippi, we've got Dave on the line who needs some help with a flooring project. What's going on? There's carpet over some asbestos tile. If I pull that carpet up, would I be disturbing that asbestos tile? Or could I just go down over that with some new flooring and not have to abate the old asbestos flooring? Yeah, you know, I don't think that removing the carpet is going to be something that damages the floor. The only place where you would have some issues is when you're pulling up those tack strips. Because I'm telling you, those nails that they use to put those tack strips along the border of the room, they are sturdy and they really get in there. So you'll have some damage along that edge, but that's all fixable. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think that you could safely pull the carpet up. And then when it comes to the tack list, this is a strip that has a lot of little nails in it that is used to hold the carpet up against the edge of the walls. You can prop that up with a flat bar with a very minimal amount of disturbance. If you're concerned, and I'm not personally, okay, because I know that the asbestos floor tile is held inside of a binder and it's not likely to be released to the air. But if you're concerned, you could just wet it down. You could spray it down a little bit with a spray bottle just to make it wet so that you don't get any release. Uh, pop those tackless strips up and then 
what you could do is put a new floor right over that. You don't have to take the removal of the old tile any further than that. Most of the new floors today are what's called floating floors, so they aren't glued down like the old tile was. And it basically would just sit right on top of the old floor. You take it up to within about a quarter of an inch of the wall, and then you cover that uh, that gap which you leave for expansion and contraction. You just cover that with molding, and you're good to go. Well, right about now, you've been feeling the chills all winter long, and maybe you're wondering if replacing those old or just drafty windows is a wise move. Well, taking advantage of advances in window technology can potentially reduce your home's heating and cooling bills, as well as increase your comfort in the house itself. So we put together seven key questions that will help you decide if it's time to take on this project at your house in today's smart spending tip presented by Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. First up, are your heating and cooling bills growing every year? You know, windows and doors are one of the largest sources of energy leaks. And one way to determine how leaky your house is, is by something called a blower door test. Now, this would be done by an energy auditor. And basically, they pressurize your house with air, and they can determine how much air is leaking out. And to get one, I would suggest you check with your local utility company, because very often utility companies will provide those services. Yeah, and I think the next thing to start thinking about is how old are your windows? Do you even know how old they are? I mean, when you think about it, every product in your home has a lifespan. And windows, for example, you want to start assessing their condition after about 15 years of being on the job. And at the 20-year mark, it's time to seriously determine if those windows are actually still doing their job at all. Another thing to look out for is maybe you have an old wooden frame window and perhaps that one is so swollen that you can't even open that window. Now, windows that stick or those that are so loose that they don't stay up, these are a big detraction from home value and also a big source of drafts. Now, if you only have single pane windows, that's another reason to upgrade because single pane windows are the least energy efficient. And even if you have storm windows, they're not nearly as efficient as a thermal pane window. And if you're going to replace them, you want to look for Energy Star qualified windows because that is going to basically guarantee you the energy savings that you're not getting right now. Yeah, another thing to think about is do you see condensation on the inside of the glass on a double or even a triple-paned window? I mean, sometimes you do see the condensation on the interior, and that could indicate a seal failure. And if this is the case, you might need to replace the glass or perhaps even the entire window. Next thing to look at is are your windows opening and closing easily? If your windows are hard to open or close or they don't stay open or they won't stay locked, this could be a sign that the window does need replacing. And finally, is it noisy in your house? If you live near an airport or a busy street, you might want to consider replacing your windows with laminated glass or double-pane windows because they are actually a lot quieter. They will reduce noise transmission into your home. And that's today's smart spending tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Tim in Minnesota is on the line and has a question about LED lights. What can we do for you? I just replaced my LED lights in my, my basement, which I have uh, recessed cans. Okay. Uh, from time to time, I get, uh, it's not all the time, so that... Uh, yeah, either you dim them a little bit and they start fluctuating, they going up. Uh, right. Didn't change the dimmer if the dimmer was, I don't know if it was uh, equivalent for, for LED lights, but. Uh. Yeah, there is. Um, Lutron is the company that actually invented the dimmer way back in the 60s, and, and they have a product called the CL dimmer. It's designed specifically for dimmable LEDs and halogens and incandescent. And I've got these in my house, and I like them for this reason. 
they there's a range on these dimmers that you can set. So you can set like the minimum power and the maximum power. And that's important because what happens is if you go down too far, depending on the LED, it will flicker and sort of go out. So you can bring it down and like identify like the bottom in terms of the lowest setting. And then of course you can bring it up to the top and you could set that range so that you don't have to worry about that flickering happening once you, once you kind of set it, it's done. And you can also put, uh, put a mixed lighting load on it. So if you had a situation where you had some LEDs and also some incandescents and CFLs all on the same dimmer, you know, by having that ability to adjust the range, you can make sure that they all go down as low as they can, but they don't go down too far where they start to flicker. That said, the LED bulbs themselves have to be listed as dimmable. The some are and, and some are not. The ones that are dimmable actually obviously work a lot better. I know, I know those are dimmable because I knew I knew to ask for that. So then you just need the right the right kind of dimmer. So you're looking for a Diva CL dimmer by Lutron. They, they, you can find them at the Home Depot. Uh, they're not very expensive. You know, twenty twenty five bucks something like that. So does anything with with? I also have another issue with the same thing that I, I can go go turn them on and off and I get shocked by the, the, the screw for the plate. That's is, a is different that... issue. Yeah, that's a big issue. <laughs> that sounds to me like you, that you might have driven the screw somewhere um, and, and nicked the wire. I would have an electrician uh, fix that for you. That's definitely I a problem. I didn't have an issue when I had incandescents, though. Is, is it because the house... Nah, I don't think it has to do with the bulbs. Just... Nah, wouldn't believe it. I would get an electrician on that. That sounds dangerous. All right. Hey, listen, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money. Good luck with that project, and uh, don't do it yourself. Get a pro to help. Bye. Lauren, Connecticut's on the line with a painting question. How can we help you today? We had some plaster work done, and unfortunately, the gentleman used a rusty tool. How, what type of primer, what type of paint can we put over that? You know, I'm afraid that, I don't know if it'll bleed through or what it'll do. So when you said that he used a rusty tool, are you seeing some areas of like a sort of reddish patina in the plaster itself, or is it changing over time? What are you noticing? Correct. Just rust from the tool. So you're seeing it in the plaster, and of course now that's all cured and dried. Exactly, in the plaster itself. Yeah, and that plaster will leach through a, a traditional paint finish, so you definitely have to prime here, right, Leslie? Yeah, and I think, you know, your best bet is to use, I mean, if you can, like a bin or a zinzer, one of those primers, they tend to be oil-based, they're a little bit more heavy-duty, um, and those really do tend to cover up everything. So I think if you go ahead with a good coat of that as a primer, you'll end up with you know, the opportunity to seal all of that rust stain in, and then when you go put your top coat on, you shouldn't have a problem with that. Oh, Okay. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you need to hang something up in your house, it's always best to go right into those wood studs. But if the location you're just set upon is not available with a wood stud, having the right anchor for the drywall actually can hold a surprising amount of weight but you have to have the right anchor. And there are many types of drywall anchors out there. They do all share a similar trait. They're going to expand behind the drywall, which provides that anchor to hang a heavy object. The key, though, is to choose the one that's rated for the weight of whatever it is that you'd like to hang. 
Yeah, for example, let's talk about toggle bolts. Now, these are probably the strongest type of drywall anchor. They feature like a, I call it like a winged nut. And when you stick it in the wall, it pops open behind the wall and then spreads the load out across a wider area. Now, just by way of example, I had to put in some, some grab bars uh, in my mom's bathroom a couple of weeks back. And of course, you know, there's no flexibility to find studs with grab bars. They're only like a fixed width. So as luck would have it, out of, I think, six or seven different holes, only one of them had a stud. For every other one, I use a toggle bolt. And I'm telling you, they are amazingly sturdy. I mean, they would hold all of my weight. So I am very confident that that was a a good choice for that particular situation. Now, another type are steel or plastic hollow wall anchors. Now, these are like one-piece anchors that have like the screw built in. And the way it works is as the screw is tightened, the anchor expands inside the wall. So the screw actually kind of helps you tighten it because it pulls the back of the fastener towards the back of the wall and tightens it up nicely. And those are pretty sturdy as well. Mm-hmm. There's another one, though, out there as well. It's the self-drilling anchor. They do look a lot like a screw themselves, and they're among the easiest to install. You kind of tap them into the wall in the spot you want to go to and then drive the anchor the rest of the way in with a screwdriver. And then, of course, you attach a screw into that anchor. Make sure that whatever you're hanging up, know the weight of it and look at those anchors and make sure that that anchor is rated to carry the weight of the item that you want to put on the wall. I mean, that's the key. You got to match the weights. And even, you know, you can be a little more aggressive in the anchor. If you want to hang something that's 30 pounds, go for the 50 pound, you know, really take care of it. Yeah, you know, while it's always best to find the stud in the wall, there are definitely ways you can attach right to drywall. In fact, we've got a video that walks you through this process. It's on moneypit.com. Just search for how to use drywall anchors. All right, we've got Dave on the line who's got a question about a fireplace. Tell us about the project. I have a traditional open hearth in a home with a straight um, terracotta flue. And what I'd like to do, I, when I burn a fire, it obviously most of it goes up the chimney. So I want to get the old-fashioned cast iron stove insert, and I just want to push it in there so it's the, the, the cover all around it covers the opening in the heart and just burn it. So I wouldn't, I would be without a liner, the, the, the smoke would just go up the chimney flue. Is that safe? Do I need to have a professional come in here and install a liner? How would you advise I install a cast iron insert into this open heart? I think if it was me not having done it before, I would have a professional do it because I know fitting them is really important. And if you get it wrong, uh, you could create an unsafe situation. So I do think it's possible. And the nice thing about having a cast iron insert or, or a steel insert like that is that it will retain a lot more heat because it's obviously a very thick mass and, and you'll get more warmth and more comfort out of that. And it burns hotter as well, so you have more ash at the end of it. Um, but I don't think I would do it myself. I think I would hire a professional. Okay. Uh, could you elaborate? You said there might be some potential risk. My concern is that the alignment and the sizing of these things is really important because you don't want to have a situation like, let's say it's not lined up exactly with the chimney, and maybe you get some uh, creosote that builds up behind it because it's not lined up correctly, and then you get into a chimney fire potential situation. So uh, I would just want to make sure that whatever insert I used was absolutely properly installed. And because I've not done it before, uh, I'll take on just about any project. But if there's one that I think I could learn from an expert or learn from a specialist, I would absolutely call a specialist to do that. Okay. You know, I'm not just because I'm handy doesn't mean I want to do it all. 
And I think that's the kind of thing when I, I when I don't know enough about it, uh, then I probably would call an expert. Okay, great. I appreciate your opinion and your advice. All right, Dave. Good luck with that project. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Michelle in Pennsylvania is on the line with a question about a heat pump. What's going on at your money pit? Um, I have a pretty big house, lots of windows, and so I want to kind of section off parts of the house that I, I don't really live in. Problem is those parts of the house is uh, the formal living, formal dining room, and that's where my thermostat is located. Ah, okay. So, yeah, so I feel like if I lower the thermostat, then it's going to kick on even harder. Yeah, Michelle, you know, there is a solution for that, and it comes in the form of a thermostat, a smart thermostat. And what I'm thinking of is a thermostat that's called an Ecobee. It's E-C-O-B-E-E. And what's different about the Ecobee smart thermostat, it has all the technology you'll see in other uh, Wi-Fi thermostats, you know, like like uh, the fact that you can control it from your smartphone and, and knows when you're home, knows when you're away. But what Ecobee also has are wireless remote sensors. So you can put sensors in different parts of the room, different parts of the house, and then you could tell the heating system what the temperature should be in that room, and it should read that and, and determine whether it should go on or off. So in the rooms that you don't use that much, you could have a very cold temperature, and in the rooms that you do use, you could have a very warm temperature, and it would kind of um, read just that particular area and not the area where the original thermostat is is mounted. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So what's something like that going to run? Yeah, it's not terribly expensive and the uh, the installation is is sort of DIY. You know, I think they're probably a couple hundred bucks, but go to ecobee.com, E-C-O-B-E-E, and you can shop online or you can find it on Amazon. I, you know, I think it's probably the answer uh, to your particular situation because heat pumps are expensive to run. Uh, and so you want to make sure that you're using the thermostat properly. Very good. Thank you. We've got John on the line who's dealing with a toilet that just doesn't want to flush. Hopefully it's not the only bathroom. What's going on, John? My son, who has two daughters, uh, is dealing with a, uh, a bulky toilet. It's reluctant to flush. It does flush, but uh, not with full force. So I'm thinking probably a snake or something to feed up and around the uh, the neck, the gooseneck, that is, and I'm just looking for your advice to maybe come up with a slicker solution, fast and cheaper. Yeah, John, when you have a toilet like that that, that flushes, but it doesn't seem to flush very strongly, it's usually because either of an obstruction or a problem with the venting of the toilet. If the toilet's not fully vented, it's not getting enough air in. You need to have air coming into that waistline for it to be able to push the waste down. So a couple of things. You could try to snake the toilet. There are inexpensive toilet snakes that you can get at home centers and try this yourself and see if you can run it through the S-trap of the toilet. Um, If that doesn't work, then you may need to call a drain cleaning service who can examine both the ventilation and the drain line and see if there's an obstruction in either place. And once you clear that obstruction, then this problem should go away. But if you're not letting enough air in there because your vent is blocked, then that is definitely the cause of a slow flushing toilet. Well, we've all done it. Shoved a bunch of stuff into closets and drawers to get that clutter out of sight. But there's a chance that when you straighten up, you may be putting your home and family at serious risk. Yeah, you know, odds and ends sitting around your house can go up in flames if they land in the wrong place, like, you know, too close to a heat source. But there's also been reports of house fires starting when, get this, a 9-volt battery. When the battery comes in contact with, say, everyday metallic objects like a paper clip or thumbtacks, even batteries that you've got in that same drawer that you thought were dead. 
Yeah. In fact, 9-volt batteries are actually commonly used as a makeshift fire starter. All you need is steel wool, and once it touches those contacts, it starts to burn. So before you toss a 9-volt into a drawer, put a piece of insulated tape, like electrical tape, over the terminals to keep those electrical currents in their place. Terry in Ohio's on the line and dealing with a stinky hot water smell. Terry, does it smell like rotten eggs? It's only happening in one bathroom. My husband replaced our electric hot water heater two years ago with a, a gas. And it actually has been happening almost since that switch occurred. But the smell is only in the upstairs bathroom. And so I don't know why we're getting the smell. We've put bleach down in uh, the tank and tried to clean out the tank, but we continue to get the smell back. When you say the tank, you're putting bleach in the water heater itself? It's very diluted, just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, a couple of things. First of all, if the water smells throughout the entire house, then that's usually caused by a problem with the anode rod in the water heater itself. But since it's only two years old, I'm thinking that that's probably not the case. It's more likely a problem with biogas, and that could simply be something in the drain in that particular bathroom that's causing this issue, because you'll get these microbes that will grow inside the drain, and they can really smell terribly. So what you need to do in a case like that is to the best thing to do is to take the drain apart if you can get under the sink and take it apart and clean it really thoroughly in another sink somewhere and get a like a bottle brush down there and scrub it with a good strong bleach solution or you can use some oxygenated bleach even better yet and that will kill those microbes that are there and then once you put it back together I want you to fill the sink up to the point where you have that water goes down the overflow which is usually built into the sink body and make sure you put some put some bleach in the hot water too so that it will slowly trickle down that overflow for a bit of a time so this way if there's any um any uh, organic matter in that overflow it'll also be eliminated so i suspect it's in the drain as opposed to being a problem with the water heater because if it was a problem with the water heater every single sink would smell the same way that's kind of what i figured but we couldn't figure it out so um i thought I listen to you guys every Saturday, so I thought I'd give you a call. Yeah, well, you know, it's hard because it doesn't. It only happens to you know sometimes to you once a lifetime, but we we hear about this all the time, so we have a pretty good idea where to look for the problem. Okay. Oh, great! I appreciate your help. Jack shot us an email, and he says we're planning to replace 15-year-old laminate flooring in our kitchen and entryway. The old flooring is damaged from water in the dog's water bowl, and it's in front of the sink. What recommendations do you have for a flooring that's waterproof versus resistant, pet scratch resistant, and easy to install? This is like a dream checklist here. This is, I want all the things. Yeah, <laughs> it wants everything. Well, look, we've both had dogs, and we know that you know you need to have a pretty tough floor. Now, in my case, I had a laminate floor for years, and actually was extremely durable for all of those things. Uh, but I will say that today, the there there are a number of different types of vinyl products and a hybrid product that are that are just taking it to a whole new level. So you want to look at engineered vinyl plank, really durable, hundred percent waterproof, and gorgeous. And you also want to look at hybrid composites. Uh, LL Flooring makes one called Duravana that I am just about ready to put into my laundry room. This is the most amazing stuff I've ever seen. It is so tough. When I got this product, I tested it by slamming it with a hammer to see if I could dent the stuff. I couldn't dent it. I couldn't scratch it. And so, of course, now that I need a laundry room floor, it's perfect for that, where it's going to be exposed to a lot of foot traffic and a lot of water. So those are some options right there. And the products are inexpensive. Uh, They're easy to install, totally DIY. So check it out. And you know what, Jack? There's so many beautiful colors, stains, choices, looks to choose from. You're definitely going to find something that works in your house.
Well, if you're looking for a non-toxic natural wood stain, you might want to raid your kitchen because coffee, tea, vinegar, walnut holes, and even certain berries can actually be used to stain wood. Leslie has the how-to in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you know, there's lots of ways that you can create your own stains, and it can be a fun project that's also great to work on with the kids. So here's a few examples. You know, black tea, you can use that as a stain. Simply boil some water, put in some tea bags, let that tea really sit, make a nice concentrate, and then you can brush that hot tea water onto the wood. And the tannins in the tea are going to react with the wood, so you're going to get a range of colors. Different teas, different tea qualities will give you a different shade of a stain, and it also depends on the type of wood you're using. You can also use coffee. I mean, brew some super strong coffee, let it cool, and then apply it with your favorite brush or rag. And you want to let this natural wood stain really soak into the wood. So you want to check it 10 minutes after the application by wiping the section clean of the coffee. If it's not dark enough for you, let it sit longer. Walnut hulls. If you like to eat walnuts, which I do, if you soak them for several days, you can create a beautiful dark wood stain. And it's helpful if you grind those walnut shells into a powder with a good sturdy food processor or other kind of chopper. You want to boil that water, add the walnut shells, and let that mixture steep. Strain the mixture before you apply it to the wood the same way. You can use pennies or steel wool, white vinegar, lemon juice. Those work as wood stains when you add metal into the mix. So add some pennies to white vinegar, let it sit for a few days, and a handful of pennies is going to give you a beautiful Caribbean blue. I mean, it's really lovely, lovely. You can also soak steel wool in vinegar, get a rich reddish color. So one tip here, when you're making these chemistry experiments at home to make that stain Write down what you did to get that color in case you need to, uh, you know, do it again. Because <laughs> you never want to be know. short, right? <laughs> yeah. What if you need more and then you're like, oh no, yeah, was it 12 pennies or 30 pennies? <laughs> <laughs> You'll have a two tone project. <laughs> right. So take good notes, guys, and have fun. It's a fun project. This is the Money Bit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the show, chimney fires, tragically common this time of year. But one important upgrade can make them safe, and that is adding a chimney liner. We'll explain how that works on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Mealtime inspiration. It's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.